Yeah, good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show. Hope you're well, hope you had a good weekend. Thank you, as usual, for finding me, for taking the time out of your busy day to spend a bit of time with me. I've got a very good programme lined up for you today. It better be it's the first one of the week, eh? It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, yes, yes. I had another reshuffle today. Was meant to have Gerardo Colmon on, the Irish journalist. Would have been interesting to have him on today to talk France, but also to talk Israel. But uh, late on this afternoon, we've rescheduled him till Wednesday. And that's strange because I'd asked Mark Boyerski to, uh, who was due to be on with me today, to move till tomorrow. I bet you're confused, right? Yeah, don't worry about it. Shite does indeed happen. Anywho, Gerard will be with me on Wednesday to talk about more than France because that seems to be fizzling, fizzling out as we speak. But we'll talk with lots. Uh, we'll talk lots with Gerard on Wednesday. Mark Boyerski will be on with me tomorrow. But luckily enough, I had this from Dan today, uh, from Daniel, who's in a band called Home by Fire, a folk band. I think Daniel will correct me a bit later on. They were due to be performing at the Lee Folk Festival at the weekend just gone, but they were cancelled because of social media comments made by a member of the band Cancel Culture Alive and Well, it's on steroids. So we'll talk to Dan a bit later on. That'll be very interesting, I reckon. And of course, you will reach out to me during the programme with your comments, with your opinions. Do it via the app, the Richie Allen Show app, or richieallen.co.uk. That's my blooming website. And just use comment live there. Yes, nice weekend I had. If you don't listen to the Sunday shenanigans, uh, Sunday morning melodies, we had a nice relaxing weekend, went into town with the uh, puppies, enjoyed that, had a nice walk around, got, had a couple of showers, it was better than Friday, you know I've got these, this temporary denture in, this temporary bridge, on Thursday evening it, um, it collapsed and on Friday morning I had to go and have it put back, the temporary thing. I can't stand dentists. I think the feeling is mutual. Dentists can't stand me either. So there you are, in the interest of fairness and balance. So, all right, okay. Shall we talk about some things? Shall we? I think that's what we're here to do. I believe so anyway. Let's talk about Israel then for a moment. Um, Israel, I'm going to read the BBC website. Let's get officialdom. What does the broadcast media say? and the print media and the website media. Well, the BBC says Israel has launched a large-scale military operation against Palestinian militants in the Jenin refugee camp in the occupied West Bank. They say Jenin, they say Jenin, it's Jenin, J-E-N-I-N. You'll have heard of the camp before. Apparently, this kicked off with multiple drone strikes. Israel sent in ground forces. There were gun battles on the streets. Now, Palestinians claim eight of their own have been killed and more than 50 others wounded. The Israel Defence Forces, or the IDF as they are known, they said they were striking terrorist infrastructure in the Jenin area. The Foreign Minister of Israel has said they are not planning to widen the operation to the whole of the West Bank. The Palestinian Prime Minister has said 
the heroic Jenin camp is resistant to the occupation and to its invasions. Now, Danny Danon, or Danny Danon, he's a Knesset member. The Knesset is the Israeli parliament for the Likud party which is the party of Benjamin Netanyahu. Danny Danon was on the BBC this afternoon. The presenter, you will hear him first, he implies that the IDF has been killing civilians because it's a very built-up area. Listen to this. I said that you accept there have been many civilian casualties as a result of the Israeli action today. No, absolutely not. And uh, uh, we, are doing our, we are doing our best to minimise... Uh, any casualties uh, to civilians and, and so far uh, uh, we have been able to minimize uh, any casualties and we will you continue to minimize, do that. But, uh, you can't Matthew, minimize casualties in an area that dense. You have 14,000 people living in 0.4 of a kilometer. Despite saying it's targeted, that is almost impossible given the sort of action we're seeing. How dare you, Matthew, to question uh, our right to defend ourselves? How dare you, Matthew, question our right to slaughter the Palestinians whenever we feel like it, Matthew? Yes, you're right, they are in less than a half a kilometre radius, 14,000 people. But if we want to drone the place and missile the place, we'll bloody well... How dare you question our right to do it, says this lunatic who's on BBC, Danny Danon from the Knesset, the Likud party. How dare you put uh, this equation... We are doing our best I'm to minimise the casualties among civilians. Your use of saying the Palestinian terrorists are doing exactly the opposite. What they are doing, they are targeting our civilians. And today, what we are doing, we are targeting only militants that are carrying weapons and are involved in terrorist activities. So we will continue to do that, and we will continue to make everything necessary to protect our people. What I'm questioning is whether that is practically possible in an area like this that is so densely populated. I agree with you that it's sophisticated, it's not easy, but so far, you know, we have been operating for a few hours. Yeah, you did hear him correctly. He described mass murder, genocide even, as sophisticated hours uh, in Jenin and so far you saw that we even texted the residents not to leave their homes and we are targeting only the militants. Very nice of him to text the residents to say listen don't leave your homes while we are destroying your, you couldn't even call it a city could you, you couldn't call it a village yeah you've only just about got on your knees from the last time that we bombed you, stay indoors and let us bomb the bejesus out of your streets and neighbourhoods, please. I hope there will be no casualties among civilians. And I know that the terrorists are doing exactly the opposite. He goes on to, he goes on to tell that well-worn tale. He spins that fiction that the Palestinians, or the terrorists as he calls them, placed themselves behind civilians, using civilians as shields, which is an old chestnut. If you dry that one out, as Jeannie Bueller once said, you can fertilise the lawn with it. What a psychotic country. I'm agnostic when it comes to religion. I neither believe nor disbelieve in a benevolent God, but when I hear lunatics like him, I almost wish God existed. You know... Satanic Netanyahu, isn't he? I mean, their prime minister, a fraudster, a mass murderer, evil incarnate. But, but who cares? I'm surprised even, and I mentioned this earlier to a friend, that the BBC or Sky are even covering it because when it all boils down, the, the BBC and Sky doesn't give a damn. Doesn't give an arse.
Let's leave that there. You might have an opinion on that. Share it with me, please, via the app, via richieallen.co.uk. It's Monday's Richie Allen Show, eight minutes past the hour. Let's talk about the climate then for a moment. And a report that went out on the BBC News Channel last Friday, which I tweeted about, funnily enough, I tweeted it. What I did was I pointed my phone at the television on Friday morning and I recorded a little bit. I'm doing the actions here now. I recorded a little bit with my, th- with, with my thumbs of this report and I put it online. And people were interested in it. But I was keen to get all of the report and I did that today. And it's very well worth our while kind of reflecting on it, right? It's important, I think, to spend a bit of time on this because this is where it's all going now the climate and we've been saying this you and me or I've been saying it to you and you've been saying to me where have you been for the last few years Baldy it is happening this is where it's all going to be now the eggs will be in this basket for the next few years the climate basket right as far as I'm concerned in any case I might turn out to be wrong it wouldn't be the first time so this report that went out on the BBC channel on Friday Let's hear it. We, I'm going to fragment it, but I will leave nothing out. So I'm editing nothing out. I don't do what the BBC does, which is omit a little bit to suit its own ends. I don't do that. You will hear all of it just a bit fragmented. I think it's hugely important. The BBC, remember, is a media outlet. TikTok is a social media company, but it is nonetheless a media outlet. Let's listen to the BBC from Friday. But this has been running for the last few days on various programmes. A BBC investigation has found TikTok is not removing many videos that deny the existence of man-made climate change. Despite a promise in April, it would do so. The social media giant announced it was updating its misinformation policy to target any content that undermined well-established scientific consensus about global warming. Marco Silva has the story. Right, so the BBC's interest here is that TikTok is not removing videos made by people and uploaded by people, people who deny that man, mankind, me, you, womankind, is responsible for warming the planet. And the BBC wants to know why is it not... uh, doing that in a timely fashion. Here's the report. This area has not seen sustained rain for two and a half years. Yeah, so they start off this report with bullshit. You know, this part of the world hasn't seen sustained rain for two and a half years. But has it seen some rain, maybe? Maybe it has, but not sustained. Then they go on to talk about flooding in Wales. All of this to build up a picture that climate change is happening and it is causing catastrophic weather events today. That's the longest drought here since records began in 1905. These days, there's one story that one way or another seems to be never far from the headlines. Devastating scenes that have become all too familiar as several parts of Wales have been hit by flooding. The evidence of climate change and the threat it poses to the planet is overwhelming. Overwhelming, says the BBC reporter. So the report starts with TikTok not not taking down vids of people who claim that climate change is a hoax. So the questions we would ask as real journalists, you're a citizen journalist, I'm a journalist, why would TikTok do that? Why? Number one. Two, who are these people? The BBC says people are putting misinformation on TikTok. Well, who are they? Are any of them academic? or, Or even, are any of them academics? Do any of them have training in these fields, in climatology, in geology, 
in meteorology and more importantly and keep this in mind which claims are they making specifically or what claims I should say are they making specifically but you don't get that with the BBC oh god no let's hear more of this report but if you look at TikTok you might get a different impression wake up guys global warming isn't real there is no climate change in the manner in which they speak but some are trying to counter the denial and misinformation on the platform. What? Counter the denial and misinformation on the platform. Some people are trying to counter the denial. The denial. What denial actually means in plain English, as far as I understand it, it's usually a pretty reasonably mind, reasonable minded person who says, um, you don't have any evidence that emissions from human beings are contributing to the warming of the planet, which will lead to cataclysmic weather events. So that's what a denier means. And this is what Newspeak is. This is Orwellian bullshit. This babble, right? Using terms like this over and over and over again till they seep into the consciousness of people. Denial. Denier. Count countering deniers. What does that mean, a denier? As I said, I'll say it again. It means somebody like me, an intelligent, educated person with a reasonably high IQ. It's not great. Reasonable, right? Um, who says you haven't demonstrated, you haven't proven. In fact, you've offered no concrete proof whatsoever that the existence of man and man's activity leading to CO2 emissions is warming the planet. That's exactly what a denier is. But they can't say that. What's up, guys? Rosh here, and welcome to All About Climate. All About Climate. This is a guy called Rosh. Rosh. And he's an academic somewhere. A channel dedicated to community. Rosh is a TikTok creator who gets thousands of views for his videos debunking viral climate myths that are spreading online. So he, he, he debunks viral myths about climate change. Again, denial and misinformation. No examples, by the way. Again, no examples in terms of this person said this and we can prove it to be untrue. And they can't get into that, you see. They cannot give you examples. If the BBC gives you an example, they are fucked. And they are fucked because climate change is the greatest hoax ever perpetrated against the people of planet Earth. Ever. So they don't do that. They just throw out um, generalisations. There's lots of misinformation in it. Well, give me an example of that, but they don't do that. So Rosh is a TikTok creator. He debunks viral myths, but again, doesn't mention a specific one. Which myths exactly? Right? No myths. Well, maybe Rosh has a myth. Can never say myth. Here he is. Okay, so first claim. Climate models have been wrong and overestimating warming for 20 to 30 years. It's a claim which doesn't have a great deal of basis in actual reality. You fucking liar. You fucking disgusting liar. Let's hear that again. Okay, so first claim. Climate models have been wrong and overestimating warming for 20 to 30 years. It's a claim which doesn't have a great deal of basis in actual reality. Scumbag. It, it either doesn't have any basis in reality or it doesn't have a great deal. If it doesn't have a great deal, it has some. It has a little bit, does it? What about uh, proclamations by climate experts in the 1970s and in the 1980s that we would be underwater now? I could name the cities that they said would be underwater by now and they're not. Is that not good enough for you? Is that not getting it wrong enough for you? That might lead people to say, nah. What about that skank, Greta Thunberg, who said five years ago that uh, if we didn't... Um, Something along the lines of that if we didn't prevent 
the planet warming beyond 1.5 degrees, we'd be underwater by now. That we would see irreversible, um, irreversible climate events or weather events even now. But that's been debunked. It's complete and utter nonsense. Right? This is the BBC now. It's fiction. Now, it's true. Rosh knows what he's talking about. Why, why does he? He's a PhD student with a master's in climate change. A master's in climate change? What the hell is a master's in climate change? How can you do a master's in climate change? What do the modules, not models, modules look like in a master's in climate change? I'd love to read his dissertation. Let's hear a bit more from Rosh. Rush. And he says there's no shortage of misleading videos on TikTok for him to fact check. Anyone can post anything and it has the potential to reach thousands or even millions of views, basically. Bad arguments can spread really fast. In April this year, TikTok announced a new policy to crack down on climate misinformation. By the way, bad arguments used to be taken on by somebody with a better argument. That's how it used to be when I went to uni. If you thought somebody had an argument which was bad or which didn't stand on its own two feet, you countered it with a counter-argument. Nowadays, no, no, that's a bad argument. We must ban that and you and make sure that nobody ever hears you ever again. It said it would remove content that undermines the well-established scientific consensus on climate change. Like this. Three facts why climate change is not man-made. Fact 1. CO2 stays in the atmosphere only for two years and But how well is the new policy working? Well, to test this out, we identified 365 videos that broke the rules, either because they denied climate change is real or that humans are causing it. Wow. The BBC identified over 350 videos. The BBC did a media outlet, contacted another media outlet. Like a four-year-old would contact mum or dad to say, my brother Billy there, he took the Mars bar from the fridge. So they contacted TikTok to say, we found 360 videos or thereabouts where somebody either denied that climate change is happening or denied that humans are responsible for it and we want you to take them down. I'll just pause for a minute. Wow. The banks of this world know it's and I don't know who that is, but it's a Stu Peters type person. They'll always find a, ra a raving lunatic, won't they? That's screaming and ranting away without offering any facts. I, I, I am prone every now and then to the odd rant. Um, so no pot calling kettle black here. But I'll always back it up with statistics and facts, which I'm going to do now in a moment. It's not going to happen. We reported all these videos to TikTok under the category of harmful misinformation, which is available to any user on the app. But when we checked back, at least 24 hours later, almost 95% of them were still online. Right, we told tales on content creators and demanded their videos be taken down, us at the BBC. We checked back and 95% of them were still there. But the really important part of that, if I can just rewind it just a little bit, is what he says towards the end of that audio there. It's very, very important, right? Let's hear it. If I can bring it up again. Of this world, no, it's not going to happen. We reported all these videos to TikTok under the category of harmful misinformation, which is available to any user on the app. Harmful misinformation. Again, how could it be that a gentleman or a lady or a Muppet 
who goes on to TikTok or Facebook and says they do not believe the government's claim that CO2 emissions caused by human existence, let's be honest about it, and human activity are warming the planet. How could that be harmful to somebody? How could it be harmful? If you believe that fucking fairy tale about CO2 emissions causing warming, how could it be harmful to you if somebody says, well, it's a load of bollocks, actually? Or that somebody says, well, the climate does change, but humans have zero input into that whatsoever. How could it be harmful? And this is what it's all about, really, isn't it? Let's hear the last little bit of this before we, um, we discuss what's really going on. When we sent TikTok links to all the videos we reported, they took most of them down. And the ones that are still online? Well, for the most part, TikTok says they're no longer being recommended to users. The company also suspended 65 accounts that had been posting wrong information about climate change. But why is any of this important? Ultimately, TikTok has enormous reach and potential influence. Jenny King is head of climate research and policy at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. Institute for Strategic Dialogue, Jenny King. She's the head of climate research, right? Listen carefully. That's a UK-based think tank that studies disinformation and extremism. There is And extremism. We're moving now from harmful misinformation where a guy says, or a girl, that they do not believe that man-made climate change is real. Now it's uh, segued into extremism. There's a very rapidly closing window for us to deal with the problem of climate change. And what it requires is consensus and really good faith public debate and that doesn't mean people can't have concerns or grievances or disagreements but the pollution of the information landscape is making that impossible wow jenny spoke with a real air of authority there didn't she saying there's a rapidly closing window a time frame within which we have the opportunity to to reverse climate change real authority for a bint who works for a think tank somewhere in London. The names, I, I don't care anymore, not today. I might tell you later on what's been going on today. We've had the day of it here with respect to um, censorship, and I'll tell you more about it a bit later on. Bint, skank, great words, misogynistic words. So there's Jenny King. I'll tell you what really interested me, and this is really important, right? Right, the BBC. The BBC ran this report on Friday for the first time but it ran it again over the weekend Saturday and Sunday and they edited the clip this is how snaky these bastards really are listen to this now word for word it's important there is a very rapidly closing window for us to deal with the problem of climate change and what it requires is consensus and really good faith public debate And that doesn't mean people can't have concerns or grievances or disagreements, but the pollution of the information landscape is making that impossible. I've got incredible ears as a a radio guy who's been doing it since 1998, 25 years in the business. I don't miss squat. The BBC edited out a really important little bit of that from Friday's programme, presumably because of a little bit of a backlash. Listen, no narcissism here that I caused because I tweeted it out and it got picked up, right? This is what the BBC put out on Friday. Jenny King, listen to this. And it's my 
smartphone recording so you've got to listen to it carefully we know that there is a very rapidly closing window for us to deal with the problem of climate change and what it requires is really good faith public debate that doesn't mean people can't have concerns or grievances or disagreements but ultimately we need to be sharing the same reality and at the moment what was that about reality she said there because that's important we need to be sharing the same reality and at the moment the pollution of the information landscape is making that impossible she said we need to be sharing the same reality which doesn't get any more fucking dystopian. And then for some reason, somebody at the BBC, after I tweeted this out, and bombarded the BBC news offices with clips of it, saying, you know, this is a new low for you, putting people on to say, we need to share the reality. They edited it out, so over the weekend it went out, and it went out without that. There is a very rapidly closing window for us to deal with the problem of climate change. And what it requires is consensus and really good faith public debate and that doesn't mean people can't have concerns or grievances or disagreements but the pollution of the information landscape is making that impossible let's leave out the bit about we need to share the reality we need a shared reality mad stuff and the bbc is leading it right the bbc is running this agenda it is the bbc forget cnn forget c-span nbc forget fox news the bbc is running it Relentless propaganda. They are desperate for people to buy it and they are desperate to eradicate any opposition to it. The BBC is running it. This from mid-afternoon today. Same subject, climate change. You're live with BBC News. I'm Marianne Mashiri. The UK had the hottest June on record, the Met Office has confirmed. The average monthly temperature of 15.8 degrees exceeded the previous highest average June temperature recorded in both 1940 and 1976. Well, our BBC meteorologist Chris Fawkes is there in the newsroom to give us a bit more on this. Chris, and let's talk about UK temperatures first of all. A very hot June. Yeah, and it's uh, one thing that's really noticeable, Maria. The average temperature, um, the average daily temperature in this country, taking into consideration every city, every town, every borough, in June now was a a shade over 15 degrees Celsius in June. Just keep that in mind. The average temperature for the month of June was a shade over 15 degrees Celsius. In June in New York City, they are putting thermal fucking underpants on in June in New York City. In June in Bavaria, a place I spent a couple of summers, they are putting fucking duffel coats on if it's 15 degrees Celsius in June in Bavaria. Just listen to these lawyers. ...is just the margin by which we've beaten the previous record. You know, normally when we look at mean temperatures, you might beat the record by a tenth of a degree. The top three Junes, for example, had been separated by just a tenth of a degree. What we've done this year is we've absolutely annihilated that record. They've annihilated the record now. Wait for this, bollocks. In the past, if, a, if, the, average temper, if the average temperature in June increased from previous Junes, it might be a tenth of a degree, he said. We've just annihilated that. So you're expecting him to say three or four degrees more this time, right? By nine-tenths of a degree, and we can actually see that. It's gone up by nine-tenths of a degree. Uh, here on this uh, graph. So 15.8 degrees Celsius beats the previous record that was set in 14.8 uh, 14 degrees Celsius. How does he not laugh saying this? The average temperature last month was 15.8 degrees Celsius in summer. 
and that beats the previous bests of 1940 and 1972 by nine-tenths of a degree run for the fucking hills. Yes, that was set back in 1940 and 1976. Now, the climate scientists at the Met Office can simulate the climate to see how likely these temperatures are to be beaten as a result of climate change. And what they can do is they can actually roll back all of the carbon dioxide emissions that have been pumped out into the atmosphere by humans and see how likely it was to beat this figure of 14.8 uh, compared with today's climate when we've got a lot more carbon dioxide sloshing around. And what those scientists have discovered is that the likelihood of beating the old records here has doubled as a result of human emissions of carbon dioxide. Right. He said they've run these models and they figured out that the likelihood of seeing what happened in June actually doubled because of all the CO2 you and I are making because we dare to live and to travel and to walk around this beautiful planet and go about our business. So he said they looked at all the models. How? How did it go from the record go from 14.8 degrees or 14.9 degrees even to 15.8. How did that happen? So they looked at the models and they did a few calculations. I hope they didn't get fucking Neil Ferguson involved. We'll have to double check that, right? So we did a few calculations and we figured out that um, over the years we had doubled our chances of achieving what we achieved in June, which was smashing the previous record to make it a, an average temperature of 15.8 degrees Celsius. It's astonishing. And you haven't heard it all yet. And methane. And they can project forwards as well. When they, we look at the 1950s, these incredible dunes like we've just seen are expected to come around once every two years. So they're expected... Incredible dunes. It was warm for 10 days in June. It was warm for 10 days in June in the summer. It has been warm on occasion over the years in June. I'm 48. I remember dunes where it sweltered. What's going on here? Wait till you hear this. Wait till you hear this. It's become much more frequent as a result of human-induced carbon dioxide, methane, climate change emissions. What? It's going to become much more frequent because of? Human-induced carbon dioxide, methane, climate change emissions. That's, that's some mouthful, that. It's going to become more common these warmer summers because... Human-induced carbon dioxide... Human-induced carbon dioxide... Dioxide, methane... Methane... Climate change. Climate change. Emissions. Emissions. You see, the gloves are off now, right? I mean, the, glo the gloves are off, right? I mean, 100% the gloves are off. When they feel safe in broadcasting monumental bollocks like that on a national news channel, you know the gloves are off now, right? Astonishing. It goes on. She tees him up with another softball question. And Chris, we're already seeing national records in South Asia as well, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. If we broaden it out, I suppose, into a, a global perspective, we take a look at uh, what happened in April. We saw new national temperature records being set in Vietnam, in, in Laos as well, and as, uh, in parts of Thailand as well, with temperatures reaching unprecedented levels. So that's kind of part of the story with this uh, climate change. We see national temperature records being broken much more frequently. 
And if we look at what's going on in Canada right now, we've got some extremely hot and dry weather that's been with us now for month after month after month. And that's caused very nasty wildfires. In fact, in Canada, the wildfires are the worst on record already and will probably burn for the next couple of months. They've already burnt through an area of a ground equivalent to the size of Belgium, releasing over 160 million tonnes of carbon. And of course, some of that carbon dioxide then goes on to further warm the planet. Now, I think some of the... Some of that carbon dioxide then goes on to further warm the planet. How much of that carbon dioxide exactly there, Mr. BBC meteorologist? Again, this is it, you see. When debate has been consigned to the dustbin of history, when they can when they can gallivant around television studios saying whatever it is they are told to say by their paymasters, safe in the knowledge that they will never have to answer for it, ever. They can come up with shit like this. Why will it get more frequent in the future? Human-induced carbon dioxide, methane, climate change emissions. Oh my God. Oh my God. Paula says climate change is real. Those bastards are changing it. Thank you, Paula. Mark says BBC want people banned. A, eh? when you tear out a man's tongue, you do not prove him to be a liar. You're only telling the world you fear what he has to say. Thank you. Chris says who decides what is truth and what is disinformation? Disinformation. Who gets to decide that? Critical thinking is the enemy of the state. He says, and that's a great movie, by the way. Martin says, Richie, it appears that aspartame is made from the excretion of genetically modified E. coli bacteria. Rumsfeld and George Bush Sr. with Monsanto. That's a link back to last week's programme. Thanks for that. Um, Martin, Gaz reckons hate to keep repeating this, but climate change is an argument to enforce the globe lie. That says, says Gaz, you believe what you want to believe. Gaz, Jenny says, a masters in climate change. Belly laughs. Hilarious, says Jenny. I know it's ridiculous. Coco says the BBC employ fact fact feckers, fact checkers. How do these creatures sleep at night? Uh, hi to Pete. Good evening, Pete. I have no idea is the answer to that question. Isabel says the reporter forgot to finish his sentence. Climate deniers, climate deniers' videos are misinformation, harmful too, and there they should insert the government's official narrative which is the only body that can be potentially be harmed by it. The only people who should fear the climate deniers video, says Isabel, are the liars who pushed the climate hoax in the first place. Angela says, always thought climate change is a load of nonsense. Even before I understood that this whole agenda is malevolent, it struck me as a way to control the population when religion has lost its power. Hi to Ian, who says the BBC is a national disgrace. Thank you, Ian. I really appreciate that. Uh, Gordon was on to say, read the hottest June on record, balls, says Gordon. I've lived in Southend on sea for 17 years, one of the hottest places in the UK. I confirm, or can confirm, that it pissed it down for most of the first couple of weeks. I know because I run a laundrette and my dryers were going like the clappers, says uh, Gordon. Thank you, Gordon. Kev says, absolutely love the show, Richie, but the BBC makes me want to puke. But in reality, it's not the BBC, it's the wankers I work with because they suck all of this shite up as gospel. I despair, says Kev. I to Sean, who looked up the average June temperature of 1976, drought year it was, and the result was the same as this year. So someone is bullshitting. But they're not saying out about last temperature down to 11 degrees Celsius. It was down to 11 last year. That's right, they just ignore this stuff. You know, it's not doesn't fit the narrative. 
doesn't fit the narrative. Hi to Christina, says it was warm for a couple of weeks here, it's now freezing. I'm sitting with a cardigan on and I've had my heating on this past weekend. Only about 8-9 degrees here when you take the wind chill. The grandkids even know it's nonsense and the youngest is saying this uh, is nine. The nine-year-old knows this. I'm really getting pissed off if they would only leave the skies alone. And I was going to play you a clip, but I won't uh, subject you to it because it's terrible, of a climate nutcase a Just Stop Oil bloke who went on Sky News this morning to speak to Kay Burley. But I won't subject you to it. I think we should leave climate change alone for now. I think we've squeezed as much out of it as we possibly can. I'll tell you who wouldn't have put up with climate bollocks, the king. Elvis would have busted heads, wouldn't he? He'd have busted heads. Back in three. Not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Yeah, come on, then we'll do a little bit, just a little bit. Here, here are a few facts, right? These are absolute facts. I've double checked, I've doubled down over probably 10 years, okay? Cross reference the information with what I could find online and in books, sometimes in libraries. Listen, right, this is basic stuff, but it's all true. We are in an interglacial period at the moment. You will have heard Ian Plymer say this, not only on this programme here, but he said it any time he's made a public appearance. Okay? Over the millennia, over the millions of years that planet Earth has been here, there are times when the Earth is completely covered in ice and times when it isn't. We're in a time when it really isn't when ice has been melting, but not because of CO2 made by man and woman and animal and dog and cat and horse and all the rest of that. None. We're in an interglacial period right now. In fact, I looked it up again today to double check it. Uh, At the moment, it's called the Holocene, isn't it? That's H-O-L-O-C-E-N-E. There isn't any crisis. There isn't any climate emergency. I'm going to quote Ian Plymer now. We are living in the best times you could ever live on planet Earth. And we are so fragile and we are so protected and we're so wealthy that if someone drops a feather, we panic. The key scientific point is it has never been proven that human emissions of CO2 drive global warming. That is a fact. There is no proof of it, right? The Earth's climate always changes. I see people on social media talking about grapes being grown uh, being grown in Yorkshire uh, hundreds of years ago. Fact. Climate change is normal. It happened long before human beings were on Earth. And the rate of change is no different now, even with human beings, even post-industrial revolution. It's no different than it was thousands or millions or billions of years ago. And here's another fact. And they know this because of ice cores. of all of the time that the Earth has been around, it's been around, by the way, it's round, right? 80% of the time, it has been warmer and wetter than it is now. That's a fact. What happened? Were the dinosaurs making fucking textiles, were they? Back then. Were the dinosaurs rolling out Nissans and Toyotas off of assembly lines? No. And ice is a rare thing on planet Earth. Again, Ian Plymer. Very rare. Ice is rare in the history of the planet. Again, 80% of the time, much warmer, much wetter, long before we (coughs) arrived here, however we did arrive here. 
And these are facts and they are irrefutable. Anyway, let's leave that alone. It's 18 minutes to the top of the hour. What was I going to do there? I've, was I going to do... Hang on a second now. I've lost my place there. A couple of quick comments. Ewan has been on to say, I've just dropped the missus off to get her nails done and the opening headline on the BBC News at 6 was it's the hottest June ever or it was as the hottest June. Kim says as if it never gets hot in Thailand as the main pollution problem in Chiang Mai is uh, farmers burning the crops creating a fog or smog. And Ardell has asked me a cricket question. I'm not going to answer that, Ardell. This isn't a sports show, pal, but thank you. Eight minutes to the top of the air. Send me an email and I'll get back to you with my cricket musings. But um, in the meantime, let's talk about this. And it's about migration. Now, a group of Tory MPs is calling on Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, to drastically cut... Hang on a second here now, I do this. Yeah, to drastically cut migration, warning that if he fails to do so, public trust in the Conservative Party will basically be eroded. So there's a group called the New Conservatives, right? They're further to the right of the Conservative Party, allegedly. And I think there's 25 members of it, maybe more. They've published a 12-point plan to cut migration, net migration, by around 400,000 before the next election. And they say that electoral success is absolutely, or, or, or does absolutely hinge on them honouring this pledge, right? So this group of MPs recommends closing visa schemes for care workers. Keep that in mind. Increasing salary thresholds and capping refugee numbers. But the critics, of course, are saying the pro proposals would have consequences for the economy in the UK because we need a lot of migrant workers to come in and do all of these jobs where there are so many vacancies. Now, the population of the UK grew overall by more than 600,000 people last year, according to the latest figures from the ONS, the Office for National Statistics. So it grew by 600,000 people last year. That's a very big city in Ireland, right? Dublin is the capital. I suppose Cork is the next most populated, then Belfast maybe. Um, but that's a massive city that arrived in the UK net last year. So this new Conservative group, this new Conservatives who want to be hard line on migration and other issues, uh, they recommend closing visa schemes for care workers. Now, virtue signalling presenters like LBC's James O'Brien, that is an open goal and one that cannot be missed and must not be missed. They're sitting around the table, probably rubbing their thighs a bit. You know what they're like. We've got to get this going again. I hate them. Do you hate them? How much do you hate them? I really hate them. Oh, yeah, I really hate them. So who do you hate the most? Care workers. Pardon? Care workers. What? Yeah, I really hate the care... No, we're supposed to talk about feckless workshy layabouts who come over here and claim benefits and... Pretty sure that the 25 MPs in the new Conservatives group, in the new Conservatives group, assholes though probably every one of them is, none of them have said they, they hate care workers. I've, I've gone looking for a quote or some bit of evidence that they sat around a table saying they hate care workers, but I can't find it. Send it all home at the same time. No, no, no. Care workers, they're the ones I really hate. You know them, them in the homes, looking after the poorly and the sick and the people with dementia. 
They're, oh, loads of them are foreign. I hate them, I do. I hate them. That's, that's what's happened at this meeting. David Brent 2.0. No one out of these 25 has sat around that table and gone, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, I hate foreigners as much as the next man. But we've got to portray them as feckless workshy layabouts. We can't go after the care workers, can we? I hate foreigners as much as the next man. But we can't go after the care workers. Can we, lads? And all 25 of them have gone along with it. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go now. Right, point one. Close the temporary schemes that grant eligibility for worker visas to care workers and senior care workers. And that's incredible. Imagine if Farage's Nazi poster had people wearing the uniforms of care homes on it and said breaking point. I think that might even be worse, what this lot have announced. Close Oh, bloody care workers. I hate them. I hate them, I do. I hate them. And, and these are the people that talk about others being out of touch. Why are we giving them the oxygen of attack? The answer is you. The answer is if we don't remind ourselves what real people are and look like and do, they can continue to do what they did in the run-up to Brexit and portray these people as unreal. Yeah, that's the whole point of exercises like this and global media and Bauer Media taking control of every radio station in the country is so that our swipes like James O'Brien can reduce complex issues down to a few simple strands, few absolutes. If you have, if, if you like, if, 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 you, if you use your social media to say that you like migrants and that the government should open the floodgates, open the doors to migrants, you are a good, a virtuous, a decent and a worthwhile human being. If you say anything else, you're a scumbag and you're a bigot. Black and white, the binary choice. You're either for or against. There's no in-between. There's no fleshing it out. Well, what about, um, what about the thousands of young people in this country who don't have many pro who, who, who don't have much to look forward to in terms of a career who might not um, have any chance, might not have a cat in hell's chance of having a mortgage and owning their own home. What about getting young men and women in their own communities? What about training them up? What about paying them a proper wage? Finding the suitable young men and women in communities who don't have anything else to do after they've come out of school if they haven't gone to uni. Jobs at a premium. What about identifying those who are suitable to spend time with senior citizens and to care for them and train them up, train them properly and remunerate them appropriately? What about that? Is that not an idea? Somebody once said to me, a friend of mine said to me one time, familiarity breeds content, not contempt. We were talking about the spectre of some of our seniors, some of our grandparents and great-grandparents being cared for by people who arrived in the UK from, from, from different parts of the world. It matters not whether it's Eastern Europe, whether it's, um, whether it's uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, whether it's Asia, and how that might not be the ideal situation for somebody who's struggling with dementia. How it might be better if they were treated by somebody, not treated, cared for by somebody who looked and sounded a little bit like them and who maybe had something in common with them. Nuance. That's just one aspect of it. Not to mention the fact that, you know, probably, probably a half an hour earlier, on another channel, on another programme, on the same radio station, another presenter was saying, 
They're not building enough houses. They're not building schools. They're screwing up the minds of children with what they're teaching them. Nuance. But they reduce these issues, don't they? To a few strands, a few simple absolutes. You are for migration into this country. You're an acceptable person. You're a good person. You're on the right side of it. If you ask questions about it, you're a bigot. and Therefore, you must hate Johnny Foreigner. When most people I meet who have issues with uncontrolled migration, they don't sound very hateful to me. When they're talking about not being able to get a doctor's appointment. When they say that they've been told it'll be six months before they get a CT scan. And you grow the population by 600,000 last year while you're not building anything. But they put guys like O'Brien on the air and they allowed his parent company and Bauer Media hoover up every radio station in the country so that you don't get any debate. You don't get the other side of that. You get a little prick like him, right, ranting about Farage and ranting about uh, 30p Lee Anderson. But I've got nothing in common with Lee Anderson or Nigel Farage. Nothing. I'm a working class boy whose politics were on the left, who's a trade unionist. And I say... It's absolute madness to open the doors to every Tom, Dick and Harry that wants to come into the country while at the same time you are decimating public services. That is insane. That's too good to be true. You can't even believe that that's a mistake. That's obviously by design, right? Nobody makes that kind of a mistake. That is by design. And of course, that's why we have programmes like this. You know, black and white, binary choice. You're happy with migration. You are, well, no, well, you're a bigot then. You're a bigot. You're, you belong on the other side of the tracks with Nigel Farage and, and Lee Anderson and, and, and whatnot. The time is eight minutes to the top of the hour. It's gaslighting on an unbelievable scale, on a grand scale, isn't it? And it's designed to fuck up the minds of people. Less sophisticated doesn't mean less intelligent. Less sophisticated. People who just don't understand. You know, not because they're not intelligent. But they haven't seen the things we've seen. They haven't read the things we've read. They haven't been exposed to it. So they don't have the sophistication. And these agendas are to gaslight these people. Gaslighting them. Because they know, if you're in Salford, you fucking know. You know the makeup of, the, the, the ethnic makeup of Salford, particularly where I live, has changed in the three years I've lived here. It's changed dramatically. And I've no issue with it. On, on, on the one hand, I've no issue with it because I'm a paddy who came over here because th there was more for me over here back in the early 2000s than there was in Ireland. So I'm, I, I'm no different to the chap who comes in from Eastern Europe or the chap who comes in from Senegal. No different in my mind. I sound a bit different. I might look a bit different, but it's the same thing. So if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. But I see it in Salford. Thing is, the... Working class people, and I am working class to my bone marrow. They understand what's going on. They understand it. On a DNA level, they understand it, even if they can't express it. And it, guys like James O'Brien are there to drive people mad. To get into people's heads and make them think they are losing their mind. Because it is 100% legitimate to say, what the hell is going on? You've commandeered hotels in our town. Now we don't have a fucking hotel. Now we have nowhere to go for a drink. We can't get a game of golf. And you've put 500 people in these two hotels. Do you know I've got to ring my doctor? This is rhetorical now. This isn't me, right? This is your Salfordian. I've got to ring my doctor. 
at nine o'clock and hope I'm one of the earliest in the in the queue to get a face-to-face appointment. Do you know that? That's what I have to do. I can't <coughs> jauntily, I cannot jauntily and on my own under my own steam, on my own leisure, I cannot ring up my doctor of an afternoon and say, listen, I need an appointment, any chance. No, no, call back tomorrow shortly after nine o'clock. We'll see what's available. This is going on. This is what's happening to people. And they see the ethnic makeup of their neighbourhood changing. There are more people around. There's more stress on services. Factor in, not just O'Brien, it seems like we are eternally perennially picking on O'Brien but every other fucking radio presenter is doing the same thing bigots racists homophobes that's all you are homophobes racists transphobes the average guy who's just as intelligent as me but maybe not as sophisticated even though I don't sound particularly sophisticated at this juncture I'll grant you that the average guy hasn't had my education hasn't been in the media for years hasn't been he's walking around going what the fuck is going on here But now he thinks I dare not say a thing about it because if I do, I could lose my job. I could lose my job. I could be cancelled. Could be Twitter bombed, Twitter stormed, piled on because I dared to put my hand up and say, what's happening here? What's happening to my neighbourhood? Many, many years ago, I was in Brent in London with David Icke. We had a point in a pub called Moons, we called it Moons. Moon under the water or Moon whatever. Can't remember the exact name. Weatherspoons pub. We didn't have much choice in Brent. Wembley High Street, right? Anyway. It was lunchtime. We were off. It was a Saturday. There was a game on, I think. We were going to watch a game of football at lunchtime in the pub. We left the pub. We walked down the road. We bumped into this elderly gentleman. Fact, he knew David Icke. He said, how are you? How are you, says David. He says, um... This TV show you're doing, he says, you want to talk a bit about immigration and the impact it has on communities. Yes, says David, I'm sure. He says, this guy here, Richie, this Irish guy here, he said, he's a presenter. He's going to be talking about these things. And we have producers. What's what's on your mind, says David, to the guy? Great question, right? The guy was a white guy. Well-spoken. And he said, this community has completely changed in the last 20 years. I'm a minority in this community. And he said, I'm tired of saying to people, and he didn't say being, the, the, the term gas lit or gas lighted wasn't around then. But he said, I'm tired of people telling me what I really mean. He said, the, com- the community completely changed in 20 years. Overnight. Almost overnight, he said, over 20 years. He said, the community completely changed. The ethnic makeup of it changed. And all of a sudden, we're minorities in our own community. And he said, that's frightening. And if you speak about that, if you dare to ask a question about that, you will be dismissed as an old racist or an old NIMBY. Not in my backyard. And he said, it's terrible. And David said, I saw it in Leicester. The same thing. Anybody who said, listen, what's going on here? We're accused of racism, xenophobia, bigotry. I see the messages Messages are piling up there. You've got plenty to say on this. Um... And I am, ran- I am rambling now because I didn't plan on speaking about any of this. I didn't. I was going to move on now and talk about some trans story. But I'm running out of time. I can't do that. But that's what they do. That's what the media does today. We heard it earlier on. Right? Gaslighting people about climate change. You know, people instinctively know that they're not changing the weather. 
by their existence, by the nature of the fact that they walk around and breathe in and out and drive to the seaside and take once a year flights to, I don't know, Ayanapa or wherever. People know this. They're not sophisticated. They don't know what to do. They're being gaslit day in, day out by the media. That's what the media exists to do now. It's worse. It used to be just misinformation. It's gone beyond that. I think it almost exists now to wreck the minds of people. Gaslight them. I put a tweet out about three years ago, before the Twitter got banned. It was just on my mind. It's the only tweet that I ever put out that really, that was kind of picked up and it got, I think it got hundreds of thousands of retweets in the end. And it was along the lines of something simple and silly. I wasn't looking for attention. I don't do that. You're not homophobic. You're not transphobic. You're not racist. You're not a bigot. You're not xenophobic. You're you. There's nothing wrong with you. But they want you to believe there is something wrong with you. And you know, there's something else going on that, that's, that kind of segues into this. While they're doing this to you, while they are changing your world around you and telling you that you are out of your fucking mind for claiming that they are changing your world around you. And that is the essence of gaslighting. While they are doing that, right, telling you you're, 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 you're crazy to say that we're changing the world around you while they do it. You know what they're also doing? At the same time, it's disgusting. Every news bulletin on every channel spends at least 10 minutes a day talking about mental health. They bring on young, sexy men and women, sexy men and women, who have had success in sports or in entertainment. You know, they should be the envy of every young man and woman. I don't mean I ever wanted to be famous. I never did, and of course I never will be. But you know, I, I had my sporting and entertainment heroes when I was young. When I was young, when The Edge and Larry Mullen Jr. or Clarence Clements or, Bo or Bruce Springsteen or Bob Seger, when they went on TV to do an interview, it was all joy. It was all joy and happiness. What's it like, Bob? Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Oh, I tell you, it's brilliant. Just played San Diego. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Wonderful. It's the best job in the world. I can't believe it's lovely. Um, you know, one of Carl Lewis. Carl, you won four gold medals at the Olympics, you cheating bastard. Just like Ben Johnson. But you won all these medals. What brilliant, brilliant life. Fantastic. Now they bring these kids on. I don't know if you've noticed this. And they don't bring them on to celebrate their achievements. They bring them on to talk about their mental fucking health. I am not exaggerating. It is relentless. Relentless. Tom Daly, Tom. Swimmer. Yeah, I'm on to talk about my mental health and yeah, I was terribly depressed there and uh, yeah, and the stress of it and yeah, yeah, but um, I'm getting help now. And then we'll bring on Adam, the, the the swimmer, we'll bring on Adam and then we'll bring on somebody who played cricket and, you know, travel the world playing cricket. It must have been fucking brilliant. No, no, I was terribly depressed and yeah, you need to get help. People need to speak up. You know, you've got to speak up. You must speak up. You must admit that you've got mental health issues. You just must like. While, while, while they're gaslighting you and telling you you are crazy if you believe we are changing the world around you and building a prison when they're changing the world around us and they're building a prison. It's mad, isn't it? It's all mad. Yeah. I can't be homophobic because Go West is about to play. I'm not a misogynist. My mum's one.
I'll be back with more nonsense after this. The time is two minutes past six. It's Monday's Richie Allen Show, the, the 3rd of July, 2023. The Pet Shop Boys and Go West on the Richie Allen Show, 5 past 6. Monday's programme, the 3rd of July. I've told you that already, but you never know. You mightn't have been listening to me. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. This is the world's most listened to independent news radio show by a country mile. Damn right it is. Right, um, I got a lovely email today from Dan. Reached out to the programme. Kind of glad he did because uh, it's been a bit of a mad couple of days reshuffling stuff. Mark was due to be with me today. He'll be with me tomorrow. Garodo Colmon was going to step in today. He'll be with me on Wednesday. It's a bit mental, but anyway. In the meantime, I was going to throw the phones open, but we are going to do that on Thursday. We're going to have a proper phone in on Thursday. But in the meantime, Dan reached out. So glad he did reach out. We talk about cancel culture. It's not funny, this, right? You'll be aware, I'm sure, that the... Good God, a GB News presenter these days, Nigel Farage, who... Brexit Party, all all of that, UK Independence Party, all of that. You'll know that, um, I've just had a big gulp of water. You'll know that Farage has gone on the record to say that he was told by Coots, I think, although I don't think he's confirmed that, this uh, very well-known bank told him that his business with them was done, that they were closing his bank account. Farage said he went to seven other banks and each one of them said no. Now, on... Over the weekend, the Sunday Telegraph published a story. In fact, no, 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 no. Today, the Sunday Telegraph published a story saying that the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, was going to take on the banks, sure he is, and tell them that this is just not on, that people should not lose access to a bank account because they have controversial opinions. But this isn't new. It's been happening to people for a long time. But it's becoming increasingly more common that when people give a heartfelt or maybe not heartfelt, but calmly, measuredly, maybe a measured, rational opinion on something, that somebody else takes offence to that and demands that somebody be cancelled. Dan reached out to the programme today to say that he's experienced this and very recently, so I'm delighted to welcome him to the programme. Hey Dan, how are you? You're welcome. How are things? Hello. Are you there? We've got you, I think. I'm hoping you're not in an area where coverage is a bit dodgy. But we'll um, we'll we'll plow through. If if it does get dodgy, I will clear the call and ring you back. But thanks for getting in touch, Dan. Tell us exactly what happened. Um, so we were due to play at a local festival played a number of years. Um, several days. Right, that is absolutely terrible. That signal. So what I'm going to do is clear the call and call him back. This is really important. Dan is a member of a band called Whom. WHOM, Home by Fire. And uh, they've experienced this madness of being told you're out all because of an opinion. So let's hope we can get him back on a better line. I'm, hope- I'm hoping that's better, Dan. Um, yeah, I can hear you well. Thank God. I think it might be a bit better. No, I just mentioned while I was calling you back that the band is Home by Fire and you were about to tell us about Lee Folk Festival. So over to you. Um, so we were due to perform at the festival um, last Saturday and it was about 48 hours before we were due to grace the stage. Um, we were informed via email that um, we were being pulled um, due to social media remarks that went against Lee Folk Festival's values. 
48 hours before you were due to rock up and you know connect your instruments and and uh, yeah. rock the audience they said we we've seen some social media comments did they did they say which ones um they didn't actually specify which post it was but i think we've narrowed it down to one or two posts that it was likely to have been um there was one in particular which was um questioning an event that Southend Pride were promoting and um, the event itself was a book reading of a book called Towards a Gay Communism and the author of that book um, was somebody that reportedly advocated for paedophilia and necrophilia and various other things so I thought that was a bit problematic it wasn't an over-18s event either, and I was just questioning why South End Pride were promoting that event. What What was the name of that book again? Gay Communism? It's called Towards a Gay Communism, and it's by uh, an author called Mario Melli, who's actually dead now, but um, but yeah, he, he, he didn't sound like a very nice individual. So you so you basically put an opinion out there, maybe this is not something that children should go to, and you think this might be the one. Can I ask you, Dan, was the gig a paying gig a paying gig at the weekend? Uh yes, it was a paying gig, yeah. Right. And forty eight hours before they say you're out. Yeah. Now obviously you sound like a nice fella, so you're saying, um, well would you mind telling me what it's about and maybe we can clear it up, but they wouldn't elaborate. No, no, we've had um complete um radio silence from them since um we've we've asked them for an explanation um i mean they said that if they had known about us as a band that they would never have booked us in the first place but that's not actually true because we've played that festival at least half a dozen times and um strangely enough actually the director of the festival um, used to be our band manager, so they're um, they're very familiar with us. Hang on a second, and did, did did the director of the festival not have any say in whether you were going to be booted or? Well, the thing is, Richie, um, nobody's actually taking responsibility for for um, pulling us from the event. Um, everyone's saying that it wasn't me that did it; it was somebody else. So. Um, so yeah, the, the director said it wasn't it wasn't their decision. So I I don't I don't know whose whose decision it it actually was, but it it seems like nobody wants to take responsibility for it. And are, are you guys? I I shouldn't say guys. I, I don't know who the band is made up of, but are you all on the same page about? It? I mean, did anybody give you any stick in the band and say, "Come on, Dan," <laughs> you know? Um. So um. So Eliza and I we're um we're a duo, um. We're both. Um, she, she supports. She supports me a hundred percent. We're, um, which is great. Um, we did. Um, we did have a another lineup that we played. Um, we did a duo lineup and a sort of more of a traditional rock setup as well. And um, our two other band members, they actually walked out um, because of because of all of this. So, which was a bit sad. But I mean, they've got their own reasons so I don't wish them any bad will at all this to say this horrifies me is is an understatement I mean I've ranted on on about this many times on on this program 
the horrors mm. of it. I mean, this is a horrifying reality is that you say, not sure this is a great event. I mean, you are levelling leveling with us, Dan, aren't you? I mean, you weren't like properly screaming and threatening people on Twitter. You weren't doing any of that. You were just saying this is maybe not a good event, maybe. Um, yeah, no, it was, um, it, was, it was pretty much that. Um, yeah, it was just questioning it. Um, Jesus Christ. And of course, this, yeah. is in, this was in June, so this is Pride Month. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah I, th- I think they probably saw it as a an attack on the um, the LGBT plus community, but I mean it, it's not that at all. And and to be honest, since this all happened, actually we've um, we've gained a lot of um, new fans from the LGBT community, actually, because they they don't want to be associated with. Um, this sort of thing. I mean, at least um, a, a lot of them don't want to be associated with it, which I think is really good. I think, um, I, I think from from what I can see, I think um, Pride has turned um, the the traditional gay rights movement into something completely different, which um, which which I think horrifies a lot of um, yeah, you know, particularly um, particularly like. Um, gay people who grew up in like this the 70s and 80s and you know and they they really had to fight for their rights and it's been it's been really turned into something else i i remember going to dublin in the mid 90s just to have a look at pride because there were there were some things happening in waterford but waterford is obviously not dublin so i went up and i remember it being very very flamboyant obviously very colorful obviously and very camp Mm. in you know, in, in, in some quarters, but nothing like what my pal Hayden saw and people have seen in recent times in Manchester and elsewhere, where you have gratuitous sexual acts being performed on the street, admittedly by a minority of people, but it's mm. still happening. Whereas that didn't happen yeah. before. It seemed to be a kind of, a, you know, it, it seemed to be a party back in the 90s that is, was yeah. kind of a kind of a leftover from I mean, pride was very necessary in the 70s and 80s when gay men and women were getting bashed and getting threatened and when they were losing their jobs because of their sexuality. But yeah, it's become something completely different now. So that's interesting. So you found some new friends amongst gays and lesbians who are like, we don't like this stuff where they're reading stories to children and stuff like that. We don't, we, we don't want to have any part in this. That's really interesting. But you know, the, yeah, the sad thing yeah. about this, Dan, before you come back in is it seems to me that when an organisation is petitioned by Stonewall or somebody like that, they tend to capitulate in a microsecond, don't they? And that's, that really upsets me, you know, that they wouldn't say, um, well, hang on a second, we've had the band, we've had the duo play at the festival, they're nice people. Uh, if you disagree with them, well, challenge them on social media, but um, they're, our act, they're booked for Saturday, as they're going to play the gig. But no, they capitulate almost instantaneously. There's so much terror, isn't there, about getting yeah. caught up in this mob? Like, yeah, yeah. I think you're totally right there, actually, Richie. Um, I, I don't. I mean, some people online have um, made accusations that Lee Folk Festival were supporting paedophilia, and I don't. I don't think that they support paedophilia. I, ju- I just think they're um, they're just you know uh, going along with um, what they feel that they're being pressured into doing, and uh, I do think it's it's very cowardly of them but but um yeah i mean we we're, we're not a political band um, we just 
we play our music. I, I'll I'll say what I want to say um, in my own time, but we don't we don't generally do that sort of thing on stage. So um, yeah, it's it's very it's ridiculous. You sound like a lovely fella. I'm sure Eliza is a lovely person too. But have you thought of phoning phoning a solicitor and saying, look, this is out of um, order? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we have actually. Um, we're just um, really in the process of. Um, we are in the process of getting some advice, actually. So um, I can't really say too much about that at the moment. And when you when you hear that, look, we I suppose you and I were probably on the same page when it comes to, you know, trusting politicians and parties. We probably have yeah. similar ideas. But when you hear something from Jeremy Hunt saying it's not good enough for banks to close people's accounts and then you'll hear Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, saying that cancel culture has to stop and we have to legislate for it, that people should not lose a gig or lose an opportunity just because they have an opposing opinion or a different opinion. Do you think there's any hope there or are they just talking out of two sides of their mouths? Um, I, I don't I don't generally trust what any politician says to be honest I mean they're quite good at sometimes saying what appears to be the right thing but I always say look at their actions and it, they often like don't follow up on the things that they're promising You're listening to Daniel Halamandres, I love it, where's it from where's the surname from? It's Greek actually See I would have gotten that wrong, I would have said Colombia or Chile or oh, something really? like that but your parents are Greek or, or just one um, my my dad's Greek. Brilliant. And which part of Greece is he from? Um, I don't know actually. You don't know. <laughs> we might just leave that one there, right? You not know. That's something for you to find out. But but I, but I wanted to ask you, Dan. Just let me remind. I'm going to play a song before we um, wrap it up. After we wrap up our conversation, uh, Daniel's band. Tell us the name of the band again. The group. Um, so we're called Whom by Fire. Whom by Fire. And what I wanted to talk to you about as well was was lockdowns and stuff. What was that period like? Because I'm guessing you're a professional musician, that this is your, your full-time job. Um, so so we, um, we we try and be as full-time as we can be. Um, Eliza and I both do have to do a side job as well. But um, yeah, lockdown was um, pretty shit, basically. Um, obviously, gigs stopped happening. Um, we, we um, it, it was very difficult for us as well because um, there was a possibility of us um, not being able to play certain event, events due to um, the the COVID vaccine things that came in. I mean, we we made our own decisions about what we wanted to do about that, and we weren't going to be like told um, what to do. So um, yeah, so it was. Um, it was pretty weird and extremely Orwellian, I'd say. Tell me this, Dan. When they started mentioning that people might need to be jabbed and have proof in order to enter venues and play venues, for a, for a sick moment, did you think, that's it now, this is the, quote, new normal? Did you think it's arrived, this future we were terrified of? Um, yeah, yeah, it did look like that's where it was headed actually but I mean 
I think as a performer, it probably we we almost could have got away with performing without being jabbed, but then the audience would have had to have been jabbed to come and watch us, and that that is just like, you know, I I think like we got to a stage where we thought we we just probably won't be gigging again ever really, but I mean, thank goodness we are we are back kicking now so yeah, thank god is right let me remind our, our listeners um dan um was 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 told on on thursday was it dan that um he yeah, yeah. Th- that his his group um him and eliza wouldn't be playing at the lee folk festival they'd been booked to play a paying gig because of some social media activity and dan reckons it was um uh, something he posted about an event that was taking place to do was a book reading. In fact, Jean Anne has been on the case, Dan. My pal Jean Anne often gets mentioned. She's very good. I don't have a producer who's running around trying to get things for me. But she's. Um, yeah. this book was first published in 1977. Mario Mielli, as you said, it's an early landmark of revolution, revolutionary queer theory. And I think this is the synopsis on the book. Um, obviously very mm. controversial this uh, towards a gay communism that's right and uh, you go on there and you say not sure now that this is suitable for people under 18 and then they say to you you're not gigging on Saturday and you know mm. uh, uh, is, 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 is this something you've come across Daniel by the way is uh, one half of Whom by Fire H- WHOM Whom by Fire are you hearing other stories like this uh, Daniel and, and are musicians and singers and songwriters are they cons- just before you answer that Brendan has been back in touch Brendan has been in touch he got in touch with me last week to tell me this um, it's close to home for him he pulled out of playing in a, in a Ukraine music event he's in a folk band too and has recently done three events but this could easily have been me as I don't hold back on my stance on topics on some social media platforms. Uh, he's very interested in what you're saying is Brendan. So are you hearing this, like people are being a bit more careful about what they're saying? Yeah, I, Online. Think, I, think, a lot, I think a lot of musicians are quite um, terrified of saying the wrong thing. Um, I think what, what we found, though, um, is, you know, you, you have to, like... Um, you have to be honest, though, and I think um, since since we have been honest and refused to apologise, the um, the amount of support we've had has been really quite overwhelming and like really encouraging. And I think that should be hopefully encouragement to other musicians who who feel like they can't say what they want um, to just you know get get a bit of courage and like just say it and um, and. I, I think I think it won't be as bad as you think it's going to be. You will get some backlash, but I think I think we're actually the majority view. I think people are sick of this um, this bullshit. So so just um, just go for it. Be brave. By the way, folks, you need to go to youtube.com forward slash whom by fire all one word. And uh, Daniel and Eliza are on Twitter. It's whom by fire at whom by fire some cracking photographs on there on the Twitter account I'm really impressed of uh, oh, of gigs you, yeah, you look you look absolutely brilliant Re- really really good so um be- before we played the song and we-, we let you go I'm obviously gutted that it's happened to you I am because it's happening to too many people 
that um, you know they have an opinion or say something that you know they believe to be true and before they know it they're losing something because of it in some cases losing you know a job and um it's 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 dystopian in the extreme so what about um the coming weeks where where are you gigging are you are you are you traveling around are you around the country anywhere near Salford by any chance Dan um so so we have been we've been gigging we were gigging on Saturday we've got we've got several gigs lined up um we're open to any gig offers in Salford so so we'd be up for that um, get in touch if you've got a venue and you want to book us. We'd be up for that. And how would people do that now? Where would they find you to book? Um, so, so you can find us on Facebook forward slash Who by Fire. Our bandcamp is whombyfire.bandcamp.com. Um, you can email us at whombyfire@live.co.uk. I have a feeling that if speaking to a solicitor, I I, I certainly couldn't claim to know everything about the law. I don't. But that's a slam mm. dunker, that, for suing the venue for breach of contract. That's a slam dunker. It's none of their yeah. business. None of their business. And they should have to compensate. Did they offer you any compensation? No, no, they haven't done. But n- not so far. Um, we're, we're just waiting for um, them to confirm, really, if they're, they're going to um, um, pay us or not. Um, <laughs> it doesn't look like it so far, but we'll, um, we'll yeah. see. Tell us about we're going to we're going to hear the freedom song. Tell us about that. Um, so we wanted to put this song out actually um, as a direct response to what's happened to us. Um, we recorded it on Saturday Saturday morning, um, mixed it in the same day, and then went straight onto a gig. So this is our response to what's happened. Um, yeah, if you want to support us, then um, please download it on our Bandcamp. It will be available on all of the other usual platforms as well. Brilliant. So if people go to bandcamp.com and look for Whom by Fire, they'll find the song, the Freedom Song. But I didn't listen to it, would you believe? I, I, I thought, no, I'll, I'll hear it for the first time with um, with our listeners. So uh, I'm going to play it out now. Dan, lovely to meet you and good, good luck to you, you and Eliza. And um, you, you're pretty magnanimous about all this. I'd be spitting feathers, but... Uh, uh, well done, buddy. Well done. And thanks for coming on. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Dan. That's um, Daniel, would you believe now? Uh, Halamandres, he's one half of Home by Fire, due to play the Lee Folk Festival on Saturday evening. And they were told on Thursday, don't show up, you're not playing a paid gig, because he tweeted that uh, an event, a, a book reading event, maybe wasn't appropriate for under 18s. And somebody, God knows who, and this is the thing, you see, it's the anonymity, isn't it? Somebody said, uh, oh, well, that's homophobic or transphobic and contacted the venue and the venue, without blinking, decided, yes, um, you shouldn't play here. And that is nothing more than tyranny. Let's hear the freedom song from Home by Fire. Flames that can't consume 
a freedom song by whom by fire recorded mastered and uploaded in the space of uh, a day or a day and a half great stuff thanks again to Dan for coming on to tell us that and uh, interesting that he said people had reached out to him gay and lesbian people had reached out to him to say listen pal we don't agree with any of this that's nice uh, it is exactly 28 and a half minutes to the top of the air there are many comments many of them there are and they're flowing, flying in flowing flying flowing flying uh, whom by fire on Twitter all one word let me read a few of these these are going back now these are going back a half an hour or thereabouts so bear with me if you don't mind poor Ardell probably thinks I was a bit caustic there when I when I dismissed this question about the cricket <laughs> I wasn't but I, I could get into cricket on the Sunday show and get away with it but I don't think I'd get away with it here I thought look I'll, 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 it's been very topical today the most news programmes went especially in the earlier part of the day went with the Ashes test which concluded yesterday Australia winning another thriller it must be said over five days and there was an incident in the game wasn't there there was an incident where the wicket keeper for Australia Carey um, stumped Johnny Bairstow after Bairstow presumed the ball had whizzed past him it was bowled um, whizzed past him was taken by the wicket keeper and then Bairstow kind of wandered out of his crease imagining that the ball was dead and that he was uh, you know going to prepare for the next delivery but as he wandered out of his crease, the Australian wicketkeeper stumped him, threw the ball at the stumps. But the thing was, he didn't pause. When he caught the ball, he threw it in one motion at the stumps. I think the English players and the English media, or some of the English media, are being petulant and childish and stupid. Johnny Bairstow was lazy and silly, and he won't do that again in a hurry, will he? Walk out of his crease and get stumped like that. I played cricket once and once only in Marbella in the scorching heat in the year 2006 on a beautiful cricket pitch in Marbella and I went for naught, I went for none I batted number 10 I went for none and I knocked my own bales off because I'd never batted before in my life you see never batted before, didn't know how to hold the bat I was holding it like a hockey stick or a hurley hadn't a clue and there was a lovely guy called Wurzel from the West Country. He used to play county cricket. He was in his 60s. And he was being very gentle. He was bowling rubbish at me. Real rubbish. He was bowling 60 miles an hour at me. But it was pushing me back because I never played cricket. And in the end, I didn't even feel knocking the bales off. And in the end, the wicketkeeper said behind me, uh, Richie, that's you gone. All right, fair enough. So off I went to the pavilion. <laughs> and I had about two and a half litres of Bacardi. No, I didn't. I had... A little bit less than that. I want to hear from you between now and 7 o'clock. Um, your messages. Keep them coming in. There is an app for the programme. The app can be downloaded via the App Store. If you have an Apple device, if you have a Android device, download it via Google Play. Thank you. William says, by the way, Wayne says, we won't be allowed to light anything with gas shortly. Excellent. Boom, boom. I like that. William says immigration is okay. It can work but only when done in the proper manner, which is what we don't see now, he says. I was at a meeting last week about a hotel here in my town that has 45 male immigrants. They make no bones about the fact they're all male, 18 to 25, some maybe a bit older. But they are saying that these migrants are from war-torn areas. Why are the males running and not the women and the children, asks William. 
Fair question. It's a question I've heard asked uh, more than once in independent media circles. Jenny reckons David saw this coming in the same, David Icke, she means in the same fashion, the free university, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research, says Jenny. She's quoting President Eisenhower's farewell address to the nation, 17th of January 1961. Let's start again. In the same fashion as the free university. She, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a bit slow because it's Monday. I'm very sorry, Jenny. She's not quoting David Icke. She's quoting Ike Eisenhower, who said, In the same fashion, the free university, historically, the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations and the power of money is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded. And this address made by Eisner is so famous, of course, the military-industrial complex. But the question does beg to be asked, what was he doing during his time in office? Or is that unfair? What do you think, dear listener? Messages please to richieallen.co.uk or via the app I love, I'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Let me go back in. So many of them. God, we've had hundreds of uh, emails today. Gabriel from Gary Owen, a man after my own heart. Same old pommies, always whinging. Yes, the Aussie players, the, the Australian team, were, 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 were serenaded, that's the word, serenaded, by the Lord's faithful yesterday with the, with the encore with not the encore with the refrain with the refrain because it went on forever and ever same old Aussies always cheating but I don't think the Australians cheated I think Johnny Bairstow is a bit of a dipstick don't wander out of your crease Jonathan he won't do it again as I said Chris reckons I was happy over the Bairstow incident because I tweeted not just cricket and Count Arthur Strong retweeted it says Chris Hi to Gillian Kent, who says, Greetings, Richie. Wow, love this song. It's very Leonard Cohen, as is the name of the band. Thank you very much, Gilly. Hi to Streff. Streff says, Dan's a good man. We all experience fear, but the brave man carries on living by his principles and doing the right thing, even though he is scared. The coward abandons his principles at the first sign of fear. That's Streff. Paul says, this is pretty damn good, Richie. He means the song. Thank you, Paul. Hi to Michael, who says they sound like the XX or the double X. Brendan, musician himself, folk musician, reckon it was a beautiful song. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Brendan. I'm sure uh, Dan and Eliza, if she's listening, will be delighted to hear that. Uh, James reckons we're on a runaway train and it's going too fast to get off. So we've just got to hang on for dear life and wait for the crash. Richie says, my good friend has been telling me he's been looking for a left-handed bass guitar to join in with his young son. The man selling them says he's not got much work since the scam-demic. Yes, a very famous music shop closed in Portland Street in Manchester, which is only 25 metres from Piccadilly. Dawson's of Manchester closed and it's because it went bust during the lockdown. Now, Paul Ripley might be listening to this. 
He does drop in from time to time. Am I right, Paul? Did the lockdowns do for Dawson's Music Shop in Manchester, a very famous music shop? I bought something for the future Mrs. in Dawson's, didn't I? I bought her a Yamaha piano, not keyboard. I bought her a piano. Yeah, she was uh, delighted with it. So delighted with it. I, well, I can't fit. It's, it's, it's not an adult show. Holly says, are they playing at any of the Awake Camping Festivals this summer? We'd love to support them. How do we? They're on Facebook, Whom, W-H-O-M, by fire. They're on Twitter, Whom, by fire. And the YouTube channel is called Whom, by fire, Daniel and Eliza. He's never had so much free publicity. But he deserves it because he came on the show. He came on show. He came on show. Rob says, Richie, I always had visions of you doing a moonwalk or playing some air guitar during the songs. Played a bit of air guitar last week. The programme is, of course, on Rumble now, but maybe not for too much longer. I don't think it adds very much, the Rumble stream. I don't think it adds very much at all. That's just me. I don't think it adds anything. It's a very boring shot. I'm not the most beautiful looking man in the world. I'm up there, but I'm not the most beautiful. The Richie Allen Show, 19 minutes to 7 o'clock. This is the Pointer Sisters and Jump. Yeah, I, I told you at the beginning of the program I wasn't in the best of form. Well, I didn't quite say that because I'm generally, my, my mood is very even. Anybody who knows me would, would, would testify to that. I'm, like everybody, you can be grumpy sometimes, but I'm a very level-mooded, even-mooded person. Don't get too high, don't get too low. So I've been a bit annoyed today. I'm going to explain this. Don't jump the gun now. Don't jump the gun, don't jump the shark. Because this might not be happening, but I think it might be happening. So you support the programme via the bank account, which is a UK bank account. It's all on richieallen.co.uk. And some of you send money through Patreon. Right. There's a problem. So I opened a Patreon account a couple of years ago, um, less than a couple of years ago, when PayPal deleted the account for the Richie Allen Show. This was a big deal at the time when PayPal did it. Um, PayPal, I can say this without fear of being sued, it also stole money. Not just my money, but your money. There were several hundred pounds in the account at the time and they closed it. They didn't return the money to the people who had sent it to me. They didn't give it to me. They kept it. That's what PayPal did. I was so pissed off by this that I contacted the financial ombudsman for the UK and um, dealt with a really, really lovely person. The financial ombudsman opened a case on, on what PayPal had done to me. My argument was that PayPal didn't have the right to close my account without giving me some reason for doing so. And they certainly shouldn't have the right to close the account if, if, if it was down to the fact that some third party had contacted PayPal and said, this guy's an undesirable. Now, the financial ombudsman was on my side and said, yes. And I said, my, my take is, is that because PayPal takes 5% of every transaction, PayPal is not so much my online bank as it is my online business partner. I solicit support for the radio show. It's all above board. 
I think you'll agree there's never been a more transparent um, project in the history of the independent media. And I'm proud of that. I'm not bragging. There has never been a more transparent project in the history of the independent media. You see what it is you support. You get what you pay for. Right? You see the the, the, the transformation of this programme over the last nine years where it's now got well, I shouldn't be throwing figures out there, but the studio tens of thousands of pounds worth of equipment. I haven't spent it. I've worked six days a week for nine years. I haven't gone out there and, and taken liberties. What comes into the programme goes back into it and whatever is left over is my living. And it's not marvellous. It's not crap either, but it's not marvellous. That's how we've done it, me and you. PayPal got rid of the account. That was a kick in the arse, that. And I railed against it. I went crazy. I did everything I could. And in the end, after six months, the financial ombudsman came back and he said, Richie, we're sorry, there's nothing we can do. The guy I spoke to said, they're bastards. They, they, they can do what they want. And you can go on and on. You can challenge and threaten, but you can't get him into court. We can't do anything about it. I opened Patreon. I'll tell you very briefly how Patreon works. So you go in there and you might say, right, I'll tell you what, I'll give £2 to the BBG every month. It's worth £2 to me. Somebody else might say, it's worth £5 to me. Somebody else might say, it's worth a tenner to me. £6 to me, it doesn't matter, right? In you go, you do that. On the first day of every month, even if it's a bank holiday, doesn't matter, even if it's a Sunday, on the first day of every month, Patreon, the company, collects the money that has been pledged. And of course it takes a big chunk for itself, its own fees, right? But it collects the money on the first day of the month. And usually around the middle of the second day of the month, it shows me the funds in the account. And it says, these are the funds that are available to withdraw. And how it works is, you've got to sign up to a company called Payoneer. P-A-Y-O-N-E-E-R. Payoneer, right? That's the company they do business with. They don't do business with anybody else. Patreon won't send you the money to your own bank account. It uses Payoneer. I don't know why, but it does. So we open a Payoneer account, in any case, right? 18 months ago, whatever it was. What happens is on day two, Patreon says, here's, what, here's how you did last month. And I'll tell you, it's usually between two and a half thousand and £3,000, usually. Sometimes a bit less, rarely more. They take their fee out of it. There's not a lot left, right? They don't, they don't take half. They take, I don't know, 15% or whatever it is. And then you send it to Payoneer, and then you can withdraw it to your own bank account. Anybody who uses Patreon, this is how it is. Today, I went to withdraw the money. Disappeared. It said the payment failed. So I contacted pay, a Payoneer and they said, no, nothing wrong our end. I said, are you sure? They said, nothing wrong our end. I said, that money should have come straight from Patreon to you and then I can take it when I want it. What I do with that money, as you well know, is I pay the streaming costs, which are significant, they are huge, and all the other um, things we pay for. Streaming now on Rumble, but that's a minor thing. It's not, it's not huge. And all the other expenses incurred by the programme. So Payoneer says to me today, it's not our problem. It's their end. 
And I've been trying to get a hold of somebody in Patreon today to say, why has the payment failed and why has all the money disappeared out of the account? Because if the payment failed to make it to Payoneer, it should still be in the Patreon account. But it isn't. So what I suspect, and I hope I'm wrong, I'm not accusing Patreon of this because I don't know yet, but I suspect that they've maybe decided it's the end of the road for Patreon and the Richie Allen show. And I won't be surprised if that's the case because we've seen it all before on the Richie Allen show, haven't we? We had a YouTube channel in 2016 with 100,000 subscribers that was beginning to bring in significant money on a monthly basis, which would have meant I would never have solicited support, ever, as it was coming in. Remember speaking to Paul Ripley saying, look at this. This is growing so much now with YouTube that we'll be able to use the advertising money to cover everything and to cover a modest but livable salary for your presenter and producer. And then Google deleted the Richie Allen Show account with 100,000 subscribers and that was the end of that. Right? I didn't want to open another one but my mate said, come on, open another one and that has been frozen for over two years and they wouldn't allow me monetize that. PayPal deleted the account and now I'm wondering, is it, is it going to happen with Patreon? I want no sympathy. This isn't why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that this is where we have known for a long time things were heading. This is how it happens, isn't it? You know, Daniel and, and Eliza have a paying gig it's a paying gig, it's important. Folk festival, chance to play their music, to showcase themselves, to make some money and to make contacts and get a lot of bookings for, for later this summer and for next year. S some bastard goes to the Lee Folk Festival and says, this guy is a bad egg, you shouldn't have him at your festival and he loses the gig. And it's happening in the independent media. The people we do business with are being pressured not to do business with us because of what it is we do. Mentioned earlier on in the programme, I mentioned at the top of the programme, mentioned it when I was speaking with uh, Dan. Nigel Farage, bank account closed, seven banks say they won't do business with him. I've never been a hypocrite. I screamed loudest when Tommy Robinson's PayPal account was closed. I screamed loudest. And I despise Stephen Yaxley Lennon. Can't stand him. Despise him. Couldn't be in the same room as him. But he did nothing wrong. He didn't break any laws. And whatever I think about him is immaterial. It's irrelevant. Tough shit, Paddy. Doesn't matter what you think about him. Exactly. Shouldn't have had his account closed. Should not. And I meant it. Some weeks later, my own account was closed. And this is what they're doing now. You know, I wonder sometimes if Halifax and Manchester has been contacted by people because it's always been out there it's always been out there that the show is 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 um to support that you got to use the Halifax or use the 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 Patreon and that's how they do it in the end you know and I'm kind of resigned to it I, when I say I was annoyed I wasn't annoyed today I was just tired I said that to uh my 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 wonderful better half I said I'm just fucking tired of it I've had nine years of it now. You know, people turning up at Fab Radio, trying to cancel me. You know, death threats, all that fucking shit. I can put up with all of that. But don't try and deprive me 
of my living. Now, this is more than my living. This is important. I'm not important, but the show is important. I'm nobody, and that's not the fishing for compliments, bollocks. I deserve none of that shite that you sometimes give to your truther people on their shows, how great. None of that shit. The show is important because we get to talk about things with people that they won't talk about elsewhere. So shows like this are important because it's open source, it's open forum. But that's what they're doing now. You know, and uh, it's ramping up and it's going to be... We saw what happened in Canada, that the government was able to impose itself on banks and tell banks, you must not do business with people. You must freeze the accounts of people who want to send a few bob to the truckers. The noble truckers, by the way, who said, we're not going to fucking live in tyranny. We're not going to live in a world of vaccine mandates. We're going to put a stop to it through good old-fashioned civil disobedience. That's what we're going to do. And Trudeau, that fucking Nazi, and his mates, what did they do? They said, uh, well, we'll see about that. We'll freeze your bank accounts. I believe it's open tyranny now. I am not trying to um, depress you, by the way, by saying that. I'm not. I don't want to depress you. We've... We've had a decent show today. We've had a good chat. We met a lovely fella in Daniel. But um, we'll have to think. We're going to have to rethink how we fund operations like this. We're going to have to rethink it because the day is coming when operations like this, and this one happens to be a little bit unique, I think. Again, that's not boasting or bragging. It is unique. Operations like this will not be fundable in the traditional ways uh, before too long. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I've got egg all over my face tomorrow. And then I'm not making any claims, but it's pretty suspicious what has happened. You know, I should have been able to go in there today to withdraw the money into the account, start paying for the streaming and everything else, paying the bills for this show. You know, it costs nearly £2,000 a month to put this show on. Do you know that? That's because of the success of the show. You know? But um, money is gone out of the account. Says zero money in there. Payment failed. Payoneer, the other end, the bank at the other end says, it's not our problem. We haven't got any restrictions on the account. I've written to Patreon and I've sent them a personal message on Twitter. That was several hours ago. And I've heard nothing back. And I impressed upon them very politely, as I always do, and professionally. I will read you the message I sent to Patreon on Twitter. Good morning. I hope, I find, I hope this finds you well. I attempted to withdraw funds to my Payoneer account this morning and the payment failed. I have checked with Payoneer. There is no issue on their end. I'm hoping you can help. I create an independent radio show. The, the Patreon account funds the, funds the cost of streaming and other costs. I need access to the money as soon as possible. Here is my email address and my account with you is patreon.com forward slash Richie. I hope you can help. Thank you. That was sent four hours ago. It has been read. And I've had nothing back from them. So there you go. We'll wait and see. But if it is the case that it's the end of the road, we'll find another way. Because what we don't do ever is we don't give up and feel sorry for ourselves, do we? We say, fuck you. We're not going anywhere. I'll be back on air tomorrow at five o'clock no matter what. 
and next month and the months after that and the months after that thank you Daniel lovely to meet you by the way see you tomorrow at 5 bye from me if I